Hey guys, welcome to In the Dark. It is about 12.16 in the morning on the 14th of September. Um, you might hear me moving around here a bit. I'm kind of doing things. I'm multitasking while I'm doing my podcast. I am, I'm a little nervous to do one tonight. I just, I don't know what's going on with me. I, I woke up, it was about two days ago. It was, it was September 11th. Um, I woke up and I was just absolutely exhausted to a point of just fatigue. Like, you know, there's different levels of fatigue you get hit with. I mean, there's sometimes you get, you're just tired. You know, sometimes you know that like if you have an autoimmune disease, you know that something's hitting you and you know, the fatigue is just like off the charts. And there's other times you get like where you're sick, maybe you're coming down with something. There's like all these levels of stuff that we deal with. And I woke up feeling like I could not put my finger on it. I could not put my finger on what was causing me to feel. It wasn't even just fatigue. It was like down. I was just really, really down, like real depressed and dark. I felt real dark. Hang on. I'm closing the door here. My son is up playing video games. So I am latching that door because, um, he sounds like a nut job. The other night I actually was trying to do a podcast for you guys last night and I got partway done and he just, he's in a room above me and he's, he, that's his office, like his computer room. And he just starts going to town. I mean, just hooting and hollering and laughing and carrying on. And I was like, and I told you guys during the podcast that this was happening, but it just kept getting worse and worse. And I finally just cut it off. I was like, okay, I'm not doing this tonight. So, well, I was going to do it after I I was done. Just kind of yelling at him, not not in a mean way, but just saying, hey, I'm trying to do a podcast here. And then I, I opened the door to Matt in the kitchen, just cackling and laughing too. I think he had had a couple too many drinks and I'm just like, okay, I just give up. I'm not doing this tonight. So it was, it was, it was comical, but it was like, wow, you know, so, um, so anyway, so I woke up September 11th and I felt really, really exhausted and it was, it was a heavy, heavy fatigue. It was something that was like depression, you know, and I don't know what happened there. I really don't. I just don't know what happened there, but, um, I felt Um, that actually when it was all said and done, I felt that it was September 11th. I I felt that maybe I was just empathing all this energy, you know, with everything that's been going on with, you know, the election stuff and all the hate with the, between the parties now and, you know, then, you know, just everything and then COVID hitting and everybody's just, you know, really upset about all that and, feeling like we're never going to, um, get back to normal again, which we may not. I don't know. I don't, I don't see how we are, but I mean, that would be great if we did, but you know, um, so I just, I had that feeling. And then, and then the next day I woke up, which was yesterday. And again, I was so emotional, like just wanted to sit and cry. I don't even know why, like everybody kept saying, you know, I went to visit my kids both days. I went to visit, talk to all of them or tried to. And, um, and you know, the first day I went to see my son and I spent the day with him on September 11th and that made me feel a little bit better. And then the second day, which was yesterday, I went to see my other daughter and my, my one daughter and she, you know, it, it just, 
it helped a little bit too. Like the drive did too. I spent like hours just driving and I just felt like just really super emotional, reminiscing about my life, you know, <laughs> regrets, things that I miss, people that I, oh God, the people that I miss, you know, the times of old when I was a kid and that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I just, it was just one of those times, but I just, it was just a really rough time. And I really believe that the emotion of September 11th, I believe that it had a play on this. I, I think that it did something to me. So, um, I wanted to tell you guys too, I wrote a Halloween book. Um, it's a little kid's story. I don't know if any of you have children. I'm in the process of writing a book called The Legend of Christmas and The First Flying Reindeer. It's a long title. Um, I've had a radio station offer to read it if I get it in. And this was even like two years ago I was talking about this. Um, the problem I'm having is I'm trying to do the illustrations. And I'm just trying to find time to do these illustrations. And these illustrations can take time. I mean, this stuff is time consuming. I actually was hired by a um, a children's book illustration company to be on a list to do illustrations for people. Um, the one I did called the Harry Pumpkin. This one is a Halloween story. It's on Amazon. Um, it's only on for Kindle or, you know, to read online, but I'm working on now getting the ISBN number so that once I get the ISBN number this week and submit it to Amazon, they can start printing them for people. Uh, I don't know what the quality is going to be like. I've never used Amazon printing. I have no idea what it's like. So, you know, I'm going to have to buy a copy of it first to see if I like it. But it's on there. It's called The Hairy Pumpkin. And it's by Tracy Bush. And it's a cute little Halloween story. It's a little long. I did all the illustrations myself. But it's a little story about a little pumpkin named Ferris Fields that has, you know, kind of an identity crisis. He's born with a defect. Um, actually, he, he's a happy jack-o'-lantern, and he's born in a world called Emberville that where they're all scary looking, and he's upset because he's different, and in the end, he finds a place where he belongs, but it's a really cute story. Um, some of the illustrations were good. Some were kind of like, I mean, I, I could change a couple of them, but some of them were really cute, but I, I really enjoyed writing and illustrating this story. So, you know, check it out, you guys. If you've got any kids or grandkids or nieces or nephews or, you know, anybody that's a kid, anybody, neighbors, whatever, you know, schools, whatever, if you want to buy it and donate it to anywhere, like a library, schools, whatever, or just read it to your, you know, your, your family or friends um, online, just check it out. And I'm also going to probably be doing a YouTube reading of it um, probably in the next couple weeks. I'm going to have that up. I'm going to just do, um, you know, have some decorations with pumpkins and candles and some neat stuff for the um, for the setting. And I'm going to read the story on, on YouTube. So, um, and then like I said, I'm, I'm still working on the Christmas story. This one's really cute. This story is adorable. It's, it's not quite as long as the Harry Pumpkin because the Harry Pumpkin turned out to be a little bit longer than I wanted it to. And the reason I wrote this book was because Matt is a writer and he has had so many stories that he started to write that are really good stories. And this shows you the power of the consciousness because he talked about and has written down a book 
about a man named John Archer. This was decades ago. And then a movie came out with a man named John Archer. And he talked about the Ragnarok and something else. Now, I don't know if the Ragnarok was a term Matt had heard or whatever, but there's another story about um, John Acom, I think was his name. And he was like a, a fighter that came from heaven. And he has gotten some really good stuff. And But anyway, so this story came out too. With A man came out with this name. And, the, and the, the basis of his story. So it's like the power of consciousness. Like if one of us thinks about something, there are other people out there thinking about it. And you need to get it out there. Because if you don't, somebody else is going to. And Matt has proven that to me time and time again. So I have another book I'm working on too that's a really good script. I've been trying to work on that. I just haven't had the time to get this stuff completed. But my one story is about heaven and, and uh, it's about heaven. It's, 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 it's a love story, um, in a sense, but there's a lot of stuff that goes on in this book and this screenplay. Um, but the other one, like I said, just, I'm going to try to stick to the kids stuff just for this season. I'm going to try to get this, uh, uh, Christmas story out there first, but I would really love for you guys to check out the Harry pumpkin. It's, it's really cute. So anyway, now that I've taken up enough of your time, I would like to talk to you today about Men in Black. Um, I want to read you something I wrote down. Today we have watchers. Thousands of people have seen them. Hundreds have come into contact with them. There are comic books, games, and movies all about them. We know them as the Men in Black. Their origins can be found um, dating back from the 1940s. As UFO sightings increased, anyone having reported seeing UFOs started to be contacted and threatened by sinister men in black suits. Over the years, very few facts have ever emerged about them. They are thought to work for a secret government department, and yet they are seen across the world. They have strange superhuman powers. They come and go as they please, appearing and disappearing like ghosts. They are referred to by some as demonic beings. They have strange features and some have odd skin. Some of them have skin that doesn't even look like they fit their face, from some reports. They can shapeshift. In fact, there are hundreds of reports of reptilian shapeshifters all across the world. Are they one and the same? So that was an intro that I had wanted to talk about. Um, I've always been a bit fascinated with Men in Black. Some of the encounters that I've heard have just been mind-blowing. They It far exceeds just men, you know, showing up at your house and, you know, these are just guys. I mean, this is, there's something going on here. And what I always marvel at are the, the movies. If you see the movie The Men in Black... Um, it's like, it's that predictive programming stuff and that way of our government trying to tell us what's really going on. And it really makes you wonder. It, it's, it's really interesting how they write these movies, you know, werewolves, vampires, Bigfoot, you know, so many just different mm -hmm. things that have gone on with the government and 
you find out later that whistleblowers come out and say that the stuff is true. They don't compare them to the movies, but they talk about incidences that take your mind back to a movie that you saw. And I just marvel at this. The Men in Black, also known as the Silencers, a father's son was shot in the head point blank after encountering a UFO, reporting it, then investigating on it and speaking about it. That's just one occurrence. What happens when you get too close to the truth of UFOs? You are visited by the silencers, the men in black. They know where you live and where you seemingly will be at any given time. There are, there are at least 20 levels of security clearances that are known of above the president. The top 10 go by the names. The first one is Majestic. That's at the very top. That's the top level security clearance code name. On down is Cosmic, Luna, Ultra, Stellar, Astral, Cosmos, Triad, Orbit, and ZD27. These are the top 10 security clearances above the president. They, and who they is, we don't know, feel he has no need to know about any of these. For many presidents, for many presidents, there's just too many of them. There's too, there's too much of a liability. There's too many presidents that get voted in and out. They won't allow too many, you know, with them serving four years, eight years, it's just not a long enough term. They're not going to let them have that kind of information. Who are the people who silence the people in regards to sharing info about UFOs? Reports of men in black go back to the 40s, as I said. And as far as, that's as far as we know, that that was when reports of UFO sightings started. And coincidentally, when reports of men in black started, they seem more mysterious than the UFOs are themselves. <sighs> there you go back to our movies again. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's, it just blows my mind how it just, everything seems to line up with these movies. Uh, we know that they're real, too many cases and even shots on video. So they, there's just so many cases of them. It just doesn't add up. Okay, guys, I'm sorry. I had a, <laughs> you can tell by my voice the way it trailed off. I got distracted there every now and then. Um, my kid or grandkids or whatever will pop their head in and it completely threw me off there. Okay. So as I was saying, um, the men in black are real. There's too many cases and even shots on video. They typically play good cop, bad cop. One, one seems to be a big brutish type, one smaller, quieter, maybe kind of along the lines of a nerdish type. They use fear and intimidation to silence anybody, you know, um, I would basically say, in my opinion, they use fear and intimidation to silence, and let me say this very clearly, victims of encounters that call for help and are shaken up very badly. They're already shaken up, and here they call the men in black, 
to get help or they, they don't call the men in black. The men in black are typically sent in by whoever else was called initially to get help. Like it could be the forest rangers. It could be police officers, whatever, you know, a victim will call or victim or victims will call them. And then if it's an odd report, like a Bigfoot sighting or whatever, then all of a sudden the men in black show up. So these people are already shaken up. They're already upset. And these people come in and they intimidate them and scare them. And then they stalk them. They go as far as ruin reputations, freeze bank accounts, um, tap phones, and have even been blamed on killing people or said to kill people. They will stop at nothing to silence people. They've even harmed friends and family as well. There are reports of them being government officials, hybrids, part alien, part human, or outright alien. In the beginning, they showed up just to retrieve then like retrieve information, then it progressed to outright silencing people. The same has been happening with uh, Sasquatch and Dogman and other encounters as well. They just, you know, whoever, whatever type of encounter that somebody has, it isn't just aliens and UFOs anymore. It's, it's all of it, but they all seem to be interconnected. Remember what Robin told me, what I was telling you guys, they said that, or she said that uh, the Bigfoot and the Dogman are part alien put here to work for the ETs to watch us and report back. They rebelled and the ETs now hunt them. Most get hunted. Think, why are men in black involved and investigating? Why do we have government agents and hunters hunting them? It all lines up. If, they're, if you think about the connection that Bigfoot seems to have with aliens. It just all seems to line up. So I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I just, I, this stuff is just, there's so much stuff. It's, there's just so much, so much going on. Oh, back in 1987, a radio broadcaster named Danny Gordon just took shots of four objects in the air and broadcasted it. He took some pictures the men in black suddenly stepped into his life. All he did was take pictures in a shopping center. He was one of a handful of people who saw it, saw them, but he broadcasted it. Millions were hearing about it, and then strange things started happening to him. The negatives that he had, um, he was called by a government agent, CIA. They, they identified themselves as CIA. He would actually get many calls, cars following him, threats, and his son was actually shot in the head at a party. Danny Gordon stopped talking after this. They were sure at the party, the people that were at the party said when they tried to get some information on who shot Danny's son, there were people that reported there were people there that were dressed all in black in suits. They were pretty, and then they stopped. They stopped reporting it like that. They changed their stories. So something really happened there. Um, at one point, he was called to meet with a CIA agent, and when he got there, he left his negatives at home, but he took the pictures. They asked him to bring his pictures, and when he got there, they asked him if he brought his negatives. He said no. And when he got back home, his negatives were all missing. 
just the negatives of the UFO sightings. Nothing else. No other negatives, no other pictures were missing. Nothing else was missing. He definitely knew that that was the agents that had done something. There's too many witnesses have had sightings, reports, encounters, and then men in black show up. And then the harassment begins. Timothy Beckley took an authentic picture of the men in black in Jersey City, 1968. UFOs had came to, had come down and landed in a park. Really close. Like the people that were there saw this really close up. Jack Robinson was the lead investigator on the case. And there's indeed in the picture, you can see that there's a photograph that was taken and you can see there's a, a man in black. He's standing in this doorway in between, like he's in, on the street looking up, dressed in a black hat, black suit, black tie, white shirt. Looks like black pants, probably black shoes, standing in front of a silver car. They seem to either drive silver cars or black cars. They're very shiny, pristine. People that see them report that the cars have no dirt on them whatsoever. Even if they've been through like a desert, you know, through mud, these cars don't seem to ever get a scratch, a dent, or a speck of dirt on them. Same with the men in black's outfits, their shoes even. They said they are mirror shiny. So this Jack Robinson was the one that was the lead investigator. He was the lead man, man in black. And the picture definitely shows a man in black, just like in the movie. Many, witnessed, what many witnesses claim they seem unnatural, as if they are something else in a skin suit. Some of you claim that you can tell that they have a skin suit on, that, that the skin is not fitting properly to their eyes. It's not lining up properly. Uh, microwaves. There's another story about men in black that showed up at some guy's house out in the country and he had a microwave. They were deathly terrified of this microwave. They would not even get anywhere near this microwave. The guy was actually using it, and they they almost seemed panicked, he said. They got they basically left the whole area while he was using it. They would not stand anywhere around the microwave whatsoever. He, he said they seemed extremely afraid of microwaves. I'm not sure why. Uh, so Beckley claimed he went to approach the men in black, and they just disappeared. The guy that was standing in the doorway that they had gotten the picture of, he went up to he went to go up to him to talk to him, and he literally just disappeared. The photo was analyzed and chose to be completely unaltered. Johnny Sands of Nevada, nineteen seventy six Las Vegas country singer, sees a cigar shaped object in the sky. His car then shuts off. While he's under the hood trying to restart it or see what's wrong with it, two aliens approach him, walked right up to him. He tried to run, but realizing he couldn't, but he realized he couldn't move. 
He described them as having large glaring eyes, small, shivered, like shriveled mouths, large, wide noses, and they had like a fin or a gill sticking out on the side of their face on either side. He couldn't figure out what they were, but they looked like fins or gills. The one began to talk telepathically to Johnny, who asked where they were from, and one of them pointed to the sky and said, up there. They said to him they would be going, but would be seeing him again very soon, and they walked away and disappeared in a flash of light. Johnny Sands told others about it and became a celebrity for it. The Sahara Hotel invited him to speak and demonstrate on his encounter and hired an artist to draw a picture of one of the aliens during the demonstration. It was a forensic artist. Uh, during the demonstration is when Mr. Sands was approached by a man dressed in all black with a white shirt who offered to answer a question Johnny Sands was asked about. Johnny Sands was asked why the aliens needed noses and the man in black stated he leaned over. He stated that there was an area in the sky about eight and a half light years from here, and it's called Sirius. It's half land and half water. That's why these aliens presented themselves with noses and gills. Uh, Mr. Sand said the men moved clumsily and stiff. So when the man, he leaned over to talk to him, he said it just, it his body, the way they moved, it was just completely unnatural. It just, it didn't even look like they belonged in their body. They then stated they had to go, but would be seeing Johnny Sands very soon. Johnny Sands noted that that was very odd because it was the same thing that the aliens had said to him. The security guard, upon walking the men in black out of the room where the demonstration was held, he walked them to the door, claims he got to the, he got to the door, turned around, and the two men in black had completely disappeared into thin air. Johnny Sands not only passed a lie detector test, but also passed a voice stress test when asked to perform these to prove his truth-telling. Guys, our planet is not run by human beings. Okay? This is biblical. These aliens are not going to... They're not coming from space. They're coming from a different dimension. These aliens are not going to invade us and take over. These aliens have invaded us. They have taken over. Okay, these are demons. These are not aliens. You know, ETs, whatever people want to call them. The realm of the demons is in the sky. I'm not saying they don't travel around the skies. I'm not saying they don't go out to, you know, outer space or if there even is an outer space. Okay, we don't know what's true. 
and what's not. But I will say that they have already infiltrated our planet. Missing people all across the globe. Where are they going? Where do you think? John Rhodes was confronted by the men in black in 1996 when looking for an underground alien base near the Grand Canyon Caverns in Arizona. In the middle of nowhere, John's very first trip to the area, he pulls up for the very first time to start his investigation. And as he's pulling up to this completely abandoned spot, it's out in the middle of nowhere, he gets to where he intends to park. And two men in a shiny silver car, all black clothing with a white shirt, shiny black shoes, are waiting for him. One was leaning on the car as he got out of his car. And they say to him, well, the one says, Mr. Rhodes, <laughs> you know, you could get hurt out there. You could fall down. Anything could happen to you. This is what this guy says to him. He says, first of all, he had no idea how they even knew his name. He had no idea who they were. He had no idea how they even knew he was going to be there. And then when they said that, he said it came off as a threat. They got back in their car and they left. He said he never saw them leave because he didn't want to turn around and look at them to show them that he was afraid. It's just nuts. Cars, shoes, everything. Again, mirror shiny. Brand new, untouched, no dirt in the middle of the desert. He noted that. He never saw them leave. You can't explain this away. 96% of the Grand Canyon has never been surveyed or explored. There's ancient caverns and tunnels and limestone that are perfect for underground bases. A network of underground bases connecting the Grand Canyon to Dalsey and Area 51, which are two other areas that are very well known for alien UFO sightings. This is all very possible. All are reported hubs of reverse engineering and alien technology. All three of these places. So how did these men in black know that John Rhodes was even coming? They seem to know everything about everybody that they're interested in. Right down to where they're going to be at any given moment. Michael Schratt, a military aerospace historian who in his research has figured out how the U.S. government might be behind the men in black. He claims the men in black are a covert government operation or organization funded by the black budget somehow embedded into the Air Force budget. They get funded from uh, phony front organizations. The so-called black budget is an allocation of money and funding toward the military and intelligence agencies. There's no accountability with these types of transactions or agencies. The Detroit Free Press article read in February 8, 1987, 
stated, Secret Ledger hides military projects. Pentagon Black Budget has this, I'm sorry, has tripled under the Reagan administration. This was in the Detroit Free Press in a, in a newspaper. So they acknowledged that the secret ledger hides military projects and the Pentagon black budget, they call it, has tripled under the Reagan administration. How did they know this? Where did they get this information? Today's data has shown the black budget has bloomed to over $300 billion per year. Want to know where your money is really going, people? The real question is, what are they using all this money for? From the U.S., the people, the ones left in the dark. Surprisingly, the name of my channel. Why are they using all this money? What are they using it for? All the taxpayers' money. The security clearance organizational chart. Let's go back to the security levels. I told you the top 20, but if you start at the bottom, there's more. It starts at restricted. That's the very bottom level, is restricted. Goes up to confidential. Secret is next. Top secret is next. SCI, which stands for Special Compartmented. USAP, Unacknowledged Special Compartment. Above that, there are 28 levels. Give me a minute here. I have to read this. Bear with me. Okay. There are 20 levels, 28 levels of the top secret crypto. The president is at the level 17. Sorry, sometimes I can't read my own writing. It's terrible. Uh, he's cleared for the go codes or the nuclear launch codes. But is in, in point of fact, there are at least 20 levels above the president, and he has no idea about them, most likely. We can't state for sure he has no idea, but it sure seems like he doesn't. Uh, these programs are so important to our national security, they would use any measures to keep it under wraps, a craft that can be to Mars and back in an hour. That technology, like that kind of technology, is something any number of countries would kill for to keep hidden from the other the people and their competitors or adversaries or even people in the government. They would feel they had to keep the high pro the high ground at any cost. Our people United States as a people are expendable to the government. Even, like, think about the soldiers. Even their soldiers. Look at Vietnam, the experiments they did on the soldiers. The treatment of the soldiers now. They take better care of foreigners coming into our country than they take care of the soldiers or the ex-military. Nazis secretly taken in to our, the, like, the Nassau program. They say it's been head by it's been led by the Nazis. They took them in and they had them they incorporated them into our country to have them to, so we could get their information. But they've Nazis taken as war criminals 
were incorporated into our our aerospace and NASA programs. I mean, come on. Experimental shots. All the money in this country, foreign countries, spent on war, senseless crap, and they're starving people, suffering, pedophiles, murderers, oppression. If they can reverse engineer a craft to go to space and back in an hour, if they can train dogmen to fight in the military, they can do anything. They have endless resources, yet people all over the world are sick, oppressed, starving, enslaved, suffering. And you think the governments of the world give one fuck about any of us. They enslave. Program us, milk us for every single ounce of energy, of blood, of work, anything that they can sweat or scare out of us. We're slaves. All of us. They aren't effing human, guys. These beings that run the show down here, they're not human. Okay, this is biblical. We have got to get out of that mind frame that we are run by just average human beings, just like the rest of us. That these people that, you know, get voted in as presidents, kings and queens, that these are just normal people. They're not normal people. And I'm going to get into more of that later. Not today. I'll get into some more stuff about that pretty soon. Uh, all th it's all through scripture. We are surrounded by Lucifer and all of his forces at all times. They never tire. They never rest. What the hell do you think is going on? It's all around us at all times. We're now slaves to our phones, always looking down. Why is that? We're programmed. They use fear, mark of the beast money system. I always wondered how they would pull that off. After this pandemic, I now know. Fear, disease, medical stuff. That's how they're going to control us. People are looking to trust our government, the savior. Meanwhile, they're planning a major depopulation agenda and to restructure our money system. It's all falling into place. It's as plain as the nose on our faces. Question is, do you have the eyes to see it? Or is it too fantastical or disturbing? Can't accept it because it destroys your security. No one wants to admit there are monsters and demons running loose, do they? Put on your armor of God, people. It's only going to get worse. We are just getting started. This is just the beginning, the birth pains written in the Bible. We were warned. So back to Men in Black. Let me try to get a quick sip of my tea, which is super hot, so bear with me. I almost have to <clears throat> slurp it. <laughs> there is a tendency to believe a lot of the older cases of men in black sightings were the best cases. The new cases don't get the same attention because the people who got the closest to the cases of men in black in the recent cases that were good ones mysteriously died. 
They could never talk. None of them were older than their 40s or 50s. The people who got the closest to the truth died. The case for the UFO's author, Morris K. Jessup, a UFO, UFOlogist and pioneer, was believed to have been suicided, which is a pretty common way people are killed off by the government, by the way. Look at the gray state, the guy that made the gray state. A lot of people don't believe that he was killed off. There's many more. There was the man, uh, man that actually found the cure for cancer, literally found the cure for cancer. He was found within weeks mysteriously disappeared found in a river dead no idea who killed him cause of death was like hypothermia and drowning the guy could swim nothing was in his system it didn't add up government killed him off they didn't want cancer to be cured too much money in it pharmaceuticals chemotherapy all that stuff they want people sick first of all it helps to depopulate the world second of all they make a ton of money off of the medications. Third of all, they love the pain and suffering of the human race. They get off on it. So Morris Jessup wrote numerous books and many researchers believe he was silenced. He had no reason to commit suicide whatsoever. When he was found in the way he died, it was so elaborate the police even claimed it had to be murder. It was made to look like a suicide. But it, it was definitely, in their opinion, it was murder. The researchers who knew of him believe he stumbled upon something that ended up in his book and was silenced by the men in black. Frank Edwards was another one, a very famous radio broadcaster. He spoke a lot about UFOs. His life was threatened many times, but he continued to ignore it. He wrote, Flying Saucers, Serious Business. It made the New York Times bestseller list, sold over a million copies, and he thought it was done really good. He felt odd one day, dropped dead right in front of his wife, believed to have been poisoned. They claimed it was his heart, but he had no signs of heart disease. It was ruled apparent heart attack, but they really didn't know what killed him. He just looked at her one day and he said he felt funny. And all of a sudden he dropped dead. They would know if your heart was giving you problems if you die of a heart attack. Jim Key, casebook of Men in Black, died young of a strained of a strained ankle. Mysteriously, it was suspicious. You can die from blood clots and such, swelling from strained ankles, but when you get this many people all in a row that are dying that are associated with the men in black, alien um, UFO sightings, it becomes a bit suspicious. It's kind of like the, the thing with uh, missing 411 people. You know, on the whole, when you when you get a case in and somebody's missing, you don't think much of it. But then when Mr. Pilates put together the maps and saw all the disappearances around the world, it started not making a whole heck of a lot of sense. Definitely showed a pattern. It seems as though so many people under surveillance from the government always die so mysteriously, doesn't it? Is there a trend here? There were seven ufologists that died very strangely. Seven of them. About 85 miles southwest of Salt Lake City is a military facility called, uh, let me see if I can write, read my writing, the Dugway, Dugway 
Proving Grounds. It was constructed in 1942 to test and develop chemical and biological weapons for World War II. It's been in continuous operation, operation since, and what's actually going on there now is top secret and nobody knows for sure. A lot of UFOs have been seen in this area and some research, researchers are referring to this area as the new Area 51. This has been said to be one of the places the men in black are coming from. One second. Dave Rosenfeld is a Utah UFO researcher. He's been investigating the Dugway Proving Ground for a long time. He's taken some amazing pics of UFOs in the skies over Dugway, and he's uncovered some inside info. He got the info, info from a particular individual that works at Dugway, and the info basically consisted of dates, times, locations of testing lasers, ring lasers, invisible camouflage, aerial vehicles, etc. These kinds of tests actually attract UFOs. Dave posted this info on his public website, and then around 8 o'clock at night, soon after he got a knock at the door, two individuals, one stayed in the car, one was at the door, dressed all in black, car was black, four-door car, black suits, government plates. The guy that was at the door had a blonde crew cut. Many of these other people that have seen the men in black all describe two people almost identical. The blonde crew cut guy at the door had dark glasses and it was at nighttime. He asked him, are you Dave Rosen Rosenfeld? And he said, yes. The agent told him he had some Particular info on his website they needed to get off immediately. He asked if his computer was in the house, and he said yes. And the agent said, well, can I come in and watch you take it off of your computer right now? And Dave said, yes, it can be off in 10 minutes. It ended with them telling, with them telling him they did not want to see anything like that again on his website. If they did, they would be back, and he didn't want them to come back, they told him. The info on the site had been on for four days. Rosenfeld said the info up was pretty powerful proof. All men I spoke about, as I said, were described the same way. Same features, hair, all info matched. An investigative team went to Dugway in person to try to draw the men in black out. They met with two men who have been investigating Dugway for years and they too had a run-in with the men in black. The belief is the men in black originated out of Dugway. The team met with Ken Storch and Bob X, who were the ones who have been investigating Dugway for years. They had gotten intel that Dugway was the new Area 51, so they went out to verify it. They had first stopped at a lodge and the owner asked them if they were going out into the desert and they said yes the owner said that there's been some really strange things happening in the desert lately and told them both asked them if they were carrying guns and told them that they really needed to be carrying and to be very alert they drove out the next day at 9 a.m and before long they saw a dust cloud coming up on them 
real fast from the rearview mirror of their car. A car was flying up on them. They finally stopped. There was no insignia on the car that was following them. No light bar, nothing. The driver got out and he walked in between the vehicles. He had black pants on, black vest, black hat, no badge. He asks, asked what they were doing there. They said just taking some pictures. The agent said he needed to see some ID. One of the guys, Bob, said, I need to see who you are. The agent pointed to his G14 tag and said, this is all you need to see. A G14 tag or license plate is a government plate. So this was a very remote place that Ken and Bob both were in. They had weapons with them, thank God. The agents were expecting to intimidate them, but it didn't work. They all got back into their vehicles eventually after talking, and the men in black followed them out quite a ways. Ken ran the tag of the vehicle. The men in black were driving because he was active military at the time. Um, I'm sorry, he was military and he was active um, police officer. When he, was, he was a policeman. The car had been a four-door black sedan. When he got the report back, it came back belonging to a white Jeep for the borough of land management out of Park County, Colorado. So he called the Park County supervisor and asked if he had a vehicle with that tag number. And the supervisor said, sure. He said he sure did and that he was looking at it right now. Park County was 450 miles or so away. And the tag, it did not belong, or did not legally belong on that vehicle. This raised all kinds of red flags. Men in black have a long history of impersonating people. And now, now these two were caught in a lie. And possibly a criminal act, technically. What if the G14 plates were actually taken from the vehicle from Park County? As the men were all talking, two black unmarked military choppers came over top of them and they caught a man in black watching them standing by a truck from a distance. This is some crazy stuff. Ken's take on it is that the men in black are a private entity working in conjunction with someone involved in ET alien UFOs. It gives government plausible, uh, government plausible deniability. In other words, the project damage control is pawned off on a private company or sector of men. ET is here, and our government knows about it. Men in black are basically the lethal cleanup crew. Whether they're human, alien, demonic, we just don't know. And I don't think we're ever going to know. And that's a pretty scary thing. It seems like we're really not going to know anything. And it almost, you know, makes you wonder if when we do pass, are we even going to know then? You know, the other day I went down to the cemetery and I visited my mother's grave and my sister 
I shouldn't have done this. I pulled out a tape recorder. Not a tape recorder. It's my phone. And um, I took some like video of trying to take some pictures of the area. I was talking to them to see if I could pick up any voices on the on the recording and there was nothing and I was just like, you know, left me with a feeling that um you know, what if they're like we don't we never get the answers when we die. You know? It's really interesting. So I just believe that somehow these men in black and the aliens, the, you know, the dogman, the, the Sasquatch, all of it, everything, everything that you see, the cryptids, the creatures that are crawling around, all the videos that catch ghosts, all of it is somehow attached to Satan, you know, ET, men in black, reptilians, Illuminati, you know, Satan, that old dragon or serpent. It's all the same look, slits for nostrils, reptilian skin, black eyes, all interdimensional, you know, Bigfoot's interdimensional. They've been seen mining air, like alien spacecraft put here to watch us or control us, possibly to keep us out of the forest where their bases are located or different areas they use and still fear in us. Use us for food, experiments to reproduce with. Who knows what? It's it's just interesting. Interesting stuff. And it makes you wonder where things like reincarnation fit into all this, you know? I still some of that some of those cases just mind blowing. I mean these creatures walk through walk through walls. They've been seen on video. People have woken up in their bedroom. To a reptilian that looked like it was fully formed standing in their bedroom that runs through a wall. You know, how's that possible? This is just, it's got to be demonic. It has to be. So there you have it. But there is, um, I wanted to do a little bit of a continuation of this. Um, maybe do it the next time. Or I'm not sure what's going on here with some of my episodes like what I'm planning here I've got a bunch of things planned I just am not sure when and how things are falling into place so I don't want to promise you something and then not be able to deliver on it but the next couple episodes I'll I'll continue on with this there's some other information I just actually just some theories and things to think about I wanted to add to this um I will be on shortly, you guys. Have a great night. Enjoy yourselves. Stay safe. Say your prayers. Always say those prayers. <laughs> we need as much help as we can get. Take care, guys.